The movie we watched today, The Outlaw Josie Wales, does contain two pretty graphic scenes of sexual assault, so just be warned if you plan on watching this movie. Welcome back to Cowpunchers, where the beer is warm, the women cold, and the bullets fly thick. I am the deputy, Stu Kaufman. And I am your magic elixir seller, Amy McLeod. And tonight we watched The Outlaw Josie Wales from 1976, uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, written by Forrest Carter, Philip Kaufman, and Sonia Chernus. Charnus? Chernus. And starring Clint Eastwood, Sandra Locke, and Chief Dan George. Well done. Well done. This was a very intense movie, a darker western. Um, yeah, really much so. Which is fine. I mean, some people like a grittier story. Mm. And as I think you were saying while we were watching it, uh, it's probably a little more grim realism of, of the horrors of the, the yeah. lawless west. Uh, especially in that day and age. Um, well, you want to give the, uh, the 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 rundown on the plot? Yeah. And uh, I'll give, try and do my best to give the historical context. Yes. So um, in this story, obviously, we follow uh, the outlaw, Josie Wales. Why is he an outlaw? What crime has he committed? Well, he was he had joined up with a Confederate guerrilla unit uh, in Missouri and Kansas area. Uh, and the catalyst for him joining is that some union, other guerrilla, union guerrilla troops, uh, mm-hmm. had, uh, murdered his family and set his house on fire. So, you know, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, uh, so he joins up with them. Um, eventually they're like, well, the war's over. So we got to kind of like move on. Uh, but there's this. Captain, what was his name? Captain Terrell. Captain Terrell. Captain Terrell is trying to hunt down uh, Josie Wales and really, I guess, anybody who was in that unit um, and kill them uh, for for the you know being in that unit and 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 the thing things the crimes they committed. Though it is kind of mm. made clear that war crimes were committed on both sides in that particular theater of conflict. Um, so. He's mostly just, like, basically too bitter to formally surrender, and he just kind of wants to be left alone. Uh, He ends up picking up some strays in his adventures. He saves a couple folks, helps a couple folks, and um, basically trying to run from his past. Uh, Feels like he can't settle because anyone who gets close to him, something bad happens. Um, but it does end with a, you know, final confrontation with the uh, Captain Terrell, who is the guy who killed his family. So, you know, he kind of had it coming. Yeah. Yeah. There's some resolution there. Yes. It's, it's, it's a bit, um, it's like a revenge flick crossed with a, like, uh, kind of badass trying to hang up his, his guns kind of a story. Um, cause he's got a lot of anger in him, 
but he still has a lot of good in him too and and those things kind of compete so everybody's trying to get that bounty but he does it does end on a on a happy note for for old josie yeah uh i remember at the end of uh our the our last watch we wanted to watch a good western which is what we got uh i think we what we really wanted was a palate cleanser um this was not a palate cleanser this was, this was not that this was mostly like we we finished watching it we're like this made us feel feels mm-hmm. we really just wanted to watch something bitching and yeah. we didn't get that yeah, but, uh, yeah. it let me be clear this is a great film uh, first and foremost, this is going to be hard to believe. This is probably the only film with a Confederate character as the main focus that makes, you know, the Southern view of the war um, at all um, sympathetic. Yeah, give us give us the historical context yeah. here. Which is, and that, that's what makes it so, is so contemporary civil wars, like nowadays, are typically known as just like these brutal internecine conflicts. Like think of like the troubles in Northern Ireland, any number of civil conflicts in Central Asia or Africa, it just devolves into settling scores. And for the most part, the United States was lucky in our civil war and that we didn't see that wide scale tit for tat. We forgot what we're even fighting about, but God damn it, if I'm not going to cross over the river and murder every single one of those sons of bitches. Yeah, that's not great. Not ideal. That's what happened in Missouri and Kansas. And it was going on for six or seven years before the war even started. Um, What you had happen is Democrats in Congress trying to find a remedy to the Civil War had this brilliant idea called, um, I think, uh, popular sovereignty or uh, something along that effect. Uh, to, to determine whether an incoming territory becoming a state would become free or slave. Kansas was the litmus test for this, and it failed in spectacular fashion. Uh, Kansas, by that point, I believe, was mostly populated by free staters, uh, later known as Jayhawkers. And when it was announced that the, a constitutional convention would be uh, held in Kansas territory, uh, you had a flood of radical pro-slavery elements called border ruffians later on uh bushwhackers come over the state and it's it started off with bullying you know the they would come in they'd brandish their guns and say like well we're we're, this is going to be a slave state you know like don't do anything about it and then they would bully back or they would one up it and they would beat up one of theirs well well now we've got to put now we got to break one of your one of your limbs and it just took on a life of its own until these people are, are fighting pitched battles. Uh, John Brown famously uh, was searching for a particular pro-slavery leader, didn't find him, found a pro-slavery family and butchered uh, the, the male members of that family to death with broadswords. Nice. Uh, nice. The pro-slavery uh, people upped it by laying siege to Lawrence, Kansas and burning it to the ground and driving people off into the winter in the plains. So th- this it, was a real uh, hotbed for um, peaceful mm-hmm. discourse, is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, it really was. The, Measured conversations. And would you believe that uh, such such luminaries as the James and Younger gang uh, learned their, the tricks of their trade uh, in this territory? Yeah, this sounds like a, a, definitely a, a, a terrible place to be. Yeah, ult- and it's and like I said, it's like it. 
combine this also with the fact that uh, the Pierce administration, followed by that of James Buchanan, uh, terrified of losing the Southern vote either in Congress or the nominations of their own parties, were terrified to the point that they did not act to stop any of this. Uh, you know, they, they, especially Buchanan is very much, I think, guilty of this, and this is why, in my opinion, he's probably one of the worst presidents we've ever had. Um, yeah, how do you not send in the army to like be like, all right, guys, you got to knock that shit is, off? Right, this isn't working. Please stop. Right, like you're all Americans. Stop killing each other. What the hell? And it just it just went from there, and. Um, you know, it's it didn't get better with obviously with the Civil War because now now they have commissions in the army. Right. So who's going to stop them? Be- because of course both sides thought like, well, if we give them commissions, then maybe they'll be able they'll reel it in some. Oh no! Now they have oh, no. a license to kill, basically. Right. Exactly. So, and it just you know you thought Sherman's march to the sea was bad. This is just it's just whole scale slaughter on both sides. Well, they didn't call it mild headache, Kansas. No, it was called bleeding Kansas. Yes, so they should have called it hemorrhaging Kansas. Right, and I feel like you know me, I, I definitely will will lean on you, Stu, for most of my historical knowledge. I'm like, I don't bother to learn this shit. I can just call my brother, and he'll tell me what I need to know. Um, but even not having an in depth knowledge of the Civil War, I mean, I think uh, for for any war. I think they put it in good context because mm-hmm. it was all about his personal grudge. It could he could yeah. have been a union. I mean, he could have been a union yeah. soldier. It didn't matter. It was just like that is a that is a reason that that people go to war. Like you've you came to my yeah. home and you slaughtered my family. So I am going to do what I can to make your life miserable. I'm, I want to find you and kill you. This is basically taken Civil War edition. But worse. Right. <laughs> I, I, and then once I kill you, I'm going to find a way to raise you from the dead and then kill you again. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a similar a similar storyline, like the Patriot, you know? Yeah. Basically, it's, it's but, that, but different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this is, I, I believe this is more believable because Clint Eastwood is just, he's just a guy. He probably didn't even have any opinions about slavery. He's like, I'm just farming. Yeah. Just doing my shit. I, I like that, like the very opening, it was just... And I like this too with uh, westerns where there's not a ton of dialogue. There yeah. was not a ton of dialogue in this movie, especially in the beginning, like the whole first part where you're introduced to his like normal life. He's just like teaching his son how to use a plow and you see his wife like come right. in for dinner or whatever and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't say a word. Everything's just in like, you know, smiles yeah. and nods and doing shit. And the details, the small details about this are great. Like, right down to, like, Clint Eastwood's hat in that opening vignette. Oh, yeah. It, that is a farmer's hat with just a sweatband all the way around it, just, like, stained. Yeah. Perfectly folded just the way he wants it. It's, this is a, this is a hardworking man, and he looks to be, like, happy with what he's got. Yeah, like, and I like how they took, you know, the, you get the contented man. He, he attempts to, you know, he hears the, the, the commotion sees the smoke, hears the, the soldiers coming through, he tries to save his family, is unable to, and um, then you see the Confederate troop come up, and they're just looking at him, silent. And, like, mm-hmm. they just kind of, like, nod at him, like, we know what happened, and, you know, we can we can help you get revenge. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that did just a great job. I was like, man, you don't even need any dialogue, and we're getting all of this. Yeah. 
And there is a there from the old lady. Uh, I think they call they nickname her Granny. Yeah. Uh, later in the in the movie, she is a uh, she's a, a unionist from Kansas, and she basically says some, that that her son was was slaughtered by um, was killed by uh, Confederate um, irregulars. Yes. Yeah. And I I wonder I wonder to myself I wonder if that was Eastwood's crew. You know, that's a good point. It very well mm-hmm. could have been because I, I I feel like who knows. Yeah. Yeah. We we got and another thing I liked we did have a montage like montage of like the civil war just and they had it Mm -hmm. all in instead of like black and white it was in like blue and gray yeah i I thought that was clever yeah Yeah, that was really clever and then yeah it it, was just over mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's another movie set in this same setting but i think we're gonna wait on that just because this is such an ugly period i want a fun western next (laughs) yeah I have a couple ideas. We'll discuss them at the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, um, fortunately, though, there are moments of levity in this this otherwise grim movie. Uh, like like I said, like the the old the old lady. She is colorful. She's got her opinions, and she's she, she's at a she's at a general store talking to the clerk about like how there's nothing but like ruffians out of Missouri and yes. just like a bunch of like. Oh, Nothing like, good's coming uh, coming out of Missouri going west. Like, oh. <laughs> traitors! They're barely men. It's like, like the weed is from Kansas and the molasses comes from Missouri. Well, sir, we'll do without molasses. Anything from Missouri has a taint about it. Now, Grandma, you've got to tread lightly. Now we're here in Texas. Lots of nice elements from Missouri coming west. Never heard of nice things from Missouri coming west. And treading lightly is not my way. We're from Kansas, Jayhawkers, and proud of it. I know how you feel. I'm a Hoosier myself. Personally, I don't think much of Hoosiers neither. I know. I think that saucy <laughs> old lady. Um, but yeah, I, that was the other thing. I like the the side characters he picks up along the way. So like in the at the very beginning, he's escaping these um, these Union soldiers who are trying to hunt hunt him down, and mm-hmm. um, a young man who I guess had been riding with him. Uh, in the the guerrilla unit, uh, gets shot. So he's trying to escape with this this basically a boy. He looks like a teenager almost. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, poor guy doesn't make it because yeah. that was a bad place to get shot. Yeah, like uh, in the lung, it's gonna fill up. Yeah. Uh, and then he was given a poultice that looked a lot like pesto. It did. I was like, ooh, put that on a piece of bread. Exactly. Get some pasta on there. Some chicken. Mm-mm. Yes. Well, wait. No, that's going on an open wound. Okay, cool. And uh, what was nice, it, what, like, I kind of liked it was balanced in um, its darkness and its levity pretty well. Because I didn't <laughs> feel like we've seen movies before where it just, like, kills you the whole time. It just, they're punishing yeah. you uh, with the darkness. And this was more like the the dark moments came from it was like environmental like this mm-hmm. is just a bad time and place and right you know through through uh josie wales um we see you know the the you know the good times and the bad times and the, the weird times because uh the first thing he's got to do is try to escape with this young kid so they go they find a fairy man who is uh, a coot candidate a number coot one. Coot candidate number one, the boatman, um, who's like talking to his 
to the snake oil salesman about like, oh, I got all, you know, he knows all the songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The, the, that guy was a real swell oh, as the snake oil salesman. Oh, he was great. He was like freaking sham wow guy. He was a pop-up ad <laughs> of the old West. Cause it was like any chance he got to talk to somebody, he's like, well, have you tried major smile? No, it was major best elixir for anything. How much for the ferry ride? Ten cent. By coincidence, I happen to have a bottle of this remarkable elixir I could let you have for that exact amount. I think you just I think you just thought of a history thesis, eh? Somebody could write a book on that, like draw the connection between snake oil salesmen and people like the ShamWow guy. Yeah, that's all it is. Like, Exactly, you know, like I'm selling, like you know, Mr. Uh, Doctor Pierce's like Oxyclean. tooth cure all, all the way to like the my pillow guy. Yeah, yeah, or the there's a line, there is a line there, yeah. exactly, from like hucksters on street corners all over the big cities of the mid 19th century to l- tiny towns. <laughs> yeah, so it's like one of so the first guy he picks up is the uh, the snake oil guy. Uh, mm-hmm. who's just funny. And then the fairy man, he's just like, yeah, you know, he caters to both sides because he, he, he plays both sides. He's just riding a boat. He's like, I don't give shit. Right. I just, I just operate a boat. I'm just a man with a boat and a plan. Yeah. Like, I just want to make money off my ferry. So like Clint Eastwood pretty much knows right away. Her Josie Wales knows right away that this guy's going to like not betray him, but he's like, that guy's not going to stop the cavalry from using he's, the ferry. He's not reliable. Yeah. Like he's just operating a ferry. So, um, mm-hmm. they're like, what are we going to do? So, uh, they make you think that he's going to shoot all of them, but what he ends up doing yeah. is just shooting the ferry rope. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a chain ferry or yeah. a rope ferry. So he's just like literally pulling along and then like, what's it called? A Missouri, I think he calls it a mo- Missouri boat ride. Yeah. That was pretty great. Yeah. And they're just drifting off. One of the horses leaps off and says, fuck this yeah. and swims back to Missouri. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was clever and I thought was pretty fun. I was like, in a darker movie, he would have like set it on fire or something. (laughs) Exactly. Would have blown up or something. Yeah. But in this, I was like, you know, that was a pretty creative way to solve that problem. And, you know. And and speaking of which, you know, like this is, I think a more realistic, like, uh, revenge film. Because I think revenge films now have like, just like spiraled out of control. Think of Taken. Yeah. Uh, it's just like this is this is impossible. One man can't do this. Right. Is after the initial terrible scene of the attack on uh, Josie Wales's farm, we see Josie Wales practicing. You know, rage and fury and vengeance do not instantly translate into cold-blooded, sharp-eyed, eagle-eyed killer acrobat. <laughs> exactly. Like like. I need to kill this man, and God damn it, I can't hit the broadside of a barn. I like that a lot because it, yeah, it showed. Because to me, that also showed that it's like this was a peaceful man, like yeah, he wasn't a killer. He was like, I want to live on my farm with my family. Like he couldn't hit a fence post. Like we saw, yeah, he, like and then eventually you From see like that ten he, feet away. Yeah, eventually you see he shot the shit out of the fence post. But like you see his first like ten shots, and he's like hitting it like half the time. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I thought that was a nice characterization, and does make it more realistic because it's like, yeah, I mean, and it and it shows kind of how deeply that mm-hmm. hurt him inside. Like he's like, I'm not letting this go. Like I can't let this go. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but man, yeah. 
another coot candidate. Let me see. So we've got. Uh, so his his first uh, order of business: get away from the the soldiers. So he's like, I can hide out in the Indian nations, and that's where mm-hmm. we meet. Um, uh, lone and, weight. Yes, and oh, and initially it seems like like um, Josie Wales he wants to continue his vendetta. Like he's just gonna hide out till things calm down, and then he's gonna go find and kill these monsters. True. Yes. Yeah. Because he's like mm-hmm. basically he's kind of like I can't rest until I murder the man who murdered my family, which you know, mm-hmm. understandable. Absolutely. Uh yeah. Uh, but yeah, he meets a uh, lone weighty who is a um, certainly candidate coote coot candidate number number two. He's a um, old uh, Cherokee man who again he just. Wants to live his life. Yeah. And um, the federal government, as, you know, people who are familiar with history, not really great on keeping its treaty obligations. No. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, we have the power to not, we, we can break this treaty and it's not going to hurt us that bad. So why don't we just do that? And you're like, mm-hmm. dick move, but okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, so loan. Lone is uh, working on getting to Texas, I think. Or no, Mexico. He wants to go to Mexico. Um, yeah. And, and I liked him because he was definitely kind of the, the coot who's just like kind of just talking to hear himself talk, uh, trying to mm-hmm. trying to tell uh, uh, Josie Wales a story and he falls asleep on him, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Uh, I guess I guess we're doing the coot watch a little early here, but yeah, go, go yeah. on. <laughs> well, hey, I'm just I'm just calling him like I see him. Uh, hey, no worries. Because he was a he was a pretty big character in the story. Because he was the kind of he was. Because like Josie Wales is like, all right, well, I guess go to Mexico then. I you know I ain't gonna tell you how to live, and he's kind of, <laughs> but he, and he's just like okay, and he's like, well, do you have like a horse, or like food? And he's like, oh, there's a place over there that sells horses. And he's like, you got any money? He's like. I got this piece of rock candy that I like to look through. And then he's like, all right, <laughs> God damn it. I got to help this, this guy, old man. <laughs> this, this, this old man who is not perhaps a hundred percent altogether. Yeah. 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 So he takes it. Yeah. So then that's when we go to the store, which the, the store does have uh, one of the, the kind of graphic sexual assault scenes. So if you do want to watch the movie, maybe skip the whole store scene. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't want to see that, but uh, out of that, they get, uh, he kills all the bad men, so. Yes, they are all destroyed. He kills them dead, and so he gets a bunch of free horses. Yeah, it's pretty great. And rescues a young lady, was she, uh, her name was Moonlight, I can't remember, she was a Navajo lady. Yeah. Um, who's, she was really cool. Um, yeah, she was a badass. She was awesome, I was like, she needs her own movie, because she was just kind of like, Ready to do shit. Very helpful, mm-hmm. even though no one could really understand her except uh, the, the chief. Um, yeah. But so they picked her up. Um, so that now he's kind of got his little band going. Eventually, a dog. Yeah. Eventually, there's a dog that he unfortunately likes to spit on. Yeah. The dog does not care for it. Yeah, you know he spits a lot in this movie. There's a lot of spitting. And I was like, gross. And he keeps spitting, like, I think the first time he hits the dog with the spit. Yeah. And I was like, rude and gross. Yeah, don't spit on the dog. Stop spitting on the dog. I know, he spits on the dog every chance he gets. And I'm like, that dog is really cute. And he seems really happy to be there. 
I guess Juicy Wills is more of a cat person. I guess. But still, I'm I'm more of a dog person. I don't spit on cats. Exactly. <laughs> right? Oh, like, sheesh. And that was a good dog. That was a good dog. It's a very, very well, well taken care of dog. It was lean, but shiny coat. Yeah. I don't know what they were feeding it. Beautiful coat. Uh, Probably varmints. Probably. If I were to guess. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think. So who else do they pick up? They end up picking up uh, Grandma and mm-hmm. the granddaughter, who was like Lee, mm-hmm. Laura Lee, Lisa Lee. Yeah, Laura, Laura Lee. Lee yeah. And Granny, mm-hmm. um, who got picked up by uh, some com- Comancheros. Yes. Which I I don't know that I've heard that term before. Um, I don't. I I can't say that I've heard about it before, but it is. I know that the Comanche were. They they were they were they tended to be bad news, um, like the Spanish when they rolled into the territory, like they were just like, all right, these people are 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 not to be fucked with lightly, you know, like they've they they uh they I think they took the horses pretty early on, like you know I think it, by even like the fifteen sixties, like they were riding horses, the Spanish were like whoa shit, like my god, my god, you picked <laughs> that up uh, real quick. We are we are very frightened, and like 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 the first job of the Texas Rangers was to basically interact and deal with the Comanche. They they were violently independent for obvious reasons. There's a bunch of these weird white people that want to take our land, and we don't really care for it. Right. But of course, they also took that out. They also like to bully surrounding nations, and so that was that was their deal. Yeah. So poor uh, Granny and her granddaughter. They get set upon, so of course Josie has to rescue. That was the second mm-hmm. um, pretty graphic sexual attempted sexual assault scene that was unpleasant. Uh, Deeply unpleasant. It went on a little long, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. They said the, the UK cut of the movie, I think, cut about 16 seconds of that out. And I was like, I could have, would have enjoyed that more. I <laughs> Yeah, they could have they could have cut it by a little bit more. Like we we get the picture. Can you right. can we stop? It's like we understand the danger. Stop. You know the tension's already up there. But anyway, mm-hmm. again, Josie Wales saves the day, and I and I love how how Granny still had nothing nice to say about him. This Mister Wales is a cold blooded killer. He's from Missouri, where they're all known to be killers of innocent men, women, and children. Would you rather be riding with Comanchero's granny? <laughs> oh yeah, that was another thing. Is that you know the the basically people like the Comancheros are essentially shit stirs of the old west. They will sell guns and liquor to whoever has the price, who has the money. Sheesh. Yeah. And uh, they didn't. They would not care who got hurt. So they were some real bad dudes. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he basically, you know, he's kind of, uh, picking up all these kind of people in trouble mm-hmm. and they eventually make it to the farm where they can start things. Um, and it's a beautiful little farm. Like, yeah, just this neat little, like, um, what would you call that? Like a Dobie house? Yeah, it was made I of guess. mud. Cause he, uh, later on when they were worried about being attacked, they were like, well, they're made of mud. It's not going to catch fire. So. Yeah, it's pretty. There are pretty thick walls, yeah. so that ought to help. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a little stream, cottonwood trees. You know, plenty of place to like put up a corral for your for your cattle or whatever the hell. Yeah, my favorite thing. So like the the granny is kind of like, well, you need to get us to my son's farm, 
Uh, it's the Crooked River Ranch, which is near Blood Butte. I was like, what? Blood Butte? I don't want to live near there. Is that like for no. dark rituals? Near the town of Rio Santo. Yeah, yeah. The bustling town of Rio Santo. Yeah. The... Which, as we come to find out, is hardly a town at all. Yes, with the saddest saloon, with no drinks. Just filled with people who are just presumably waiting to die. Yeah, I'm like, why are they hanging out here? I, what, yeah, why are they still there? What a, I, I didn't quite get that. Because then, like, a couple of them started working on the farm, and I was like, what were they doing before? Right. But then it was... Is it, like, also... Yeah, I don't know. I know. It, it was funny then, because, you know, he tries to order a drink, and they're like, we don't have any whiskey. He's like, what about beer? Well, we don't have that either. And then he's like leaves, and then comes back with like crates of whiskey that he took off the Comancheros, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like Josie Wales brings the party." Left whiskey all around. Exactly, Josie Wales for mayor of this shit ass town. The shithole. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. Uh, there was a great. Um, There's another town that we see. That I, I really like. Speaking of, I mentioned details earlier. I really like this. It's like, this town was brand new. Did you, do you know how I know that? How did you know that? None of the wood was aged. It was like, it was like just like fresh wood. hewn. Everything was like that, that pale yellow you get from like, like you just picked it up at Home Depot. Not the kind of like weather-worn gray or, you know, tattered paint. Right. This is like, still painting signs and shit. Nice. I just, I, I just thought that was cute. Be like, That's yep, nice to see because I feel like in some westerns everything already looks old, and it's like, well, yeah, that's how it looks now. But that shit was new, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. At one time it was new. It was brand new. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, if they made a movie about uh, two th- twenty 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 one, uh, like a hundred years from now, and they made the McMansions look old, you'd be like, no, they were new. <laughs> They were new now. <laughs> Granted, some of them have not aged well no. over the last 20 years, no. but... But they're still there. <laughs> right. So. Uh, there was one character that you got hung up on because you're like, where have I seen this guy before? Uh, it was at the, the former Confederate leader, Captain Fletcher. Yes! Like, oh, it's the it's the Dean, John, uh, from... Uh, from, from Animal House, John Vernon. Yes, yes. He was the, uh, he was like the leader of the gorilla group, but then he ended up like turning on them, kind of, like reluctantly. And I was like, right. I wanted him to be like, Josie Wales, you're on. At this moment, they're on double secret probation. <laughs> and it's, it, it, I think what really like kind of made his character a little silly is he didn't do an accent at all. No. But I don't know. Um, like, I don't know if maybe there's, there's not really an accent to the people of Missouri, but yeah, no idea. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was funny because I was like his voice and his face. He's so familiar. And then as soon as you said Animal <laughs> House, I was like, oh my god, it's double secret probation guy. <laughs> and that was the voice he used the whole time. Right, it was the same voice. Yeah, like this. Yes. Double secret. Uh, loyalty oath or whatever the hell right good god uh i also like the scene where josie wales catches uh moonlight and uh lone weighty going at it which was weird and he had the exact same 
reaction is all of us because you like hear this weird noise in the night and he's like oh shit what's going on and then the guy's like yeah i guess i'm not so old after all and he kind of just like <laughs> slides off screen like <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna pretend i gotta go bleach my eyeballs <laughs> right that was the that was the most excellent acting because clint eastwood was everybody you know like oh thanks Oh, you could have given me the heads up that, you know, like, you know, like wink at me and be like, hey, go for a walk in the woods. Go see the moon on top of the ridgeline for like, you know, a half hour, an hour. Right. Like, uh, nope, yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, chief. Because he's all like, oh, shit, are we being attacked? And then he's like, oh, okay. I'm going to go and throw up for a while. Talk exactly. to you later. <laughs> if you hear a gunshot in the woods, that's me because I have lost all will to live. Yes. So I, I was like. I don't even know why they had that scene in there, but it was really funny. <laughs> Didn't serve the, the, the story, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a very good Western. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the it characters. Um, it's a yeah. it's a great character study because um, I think one of my favorite things was watching Clint Eastwood just go from after the surrender of his group and... His group is also murdered by um, the, this this irregular Union force at the at the beginning of the movie. You see him go from like just like wanting to finish this, you know, this his vengeance. Yes. To going just be like, you know what? I just want to disappear with this like ragtag of like you know of uh, feral animals that I've now called my friends. Yeah, and I- I'll tell you. My one of my my favorite scene in the whole movie was um, near the end. They're they're worried. I think it's the Comanches are, are coming, going to come after them at the ranch because they were pissed about him killing all the Comancheros. So he gets everybody ready. He tells them what to do. He's like, okay, you know, you're going to want to shoot. Use the use the rifles if they get up close. Use the pistols. You know, mm-hmm. giving them the game plan for if they get attacked. And then he leaves to like you know they're they're asking. Like, what's he going to do? And he's like, oh, he's going to go out and bring the battle to them. And, you know, he's going to do what he can to make it easier for us. And you see him drive up. Or not drive up. Drive up in his shiny pink Lincoln. Uh, his, <laughs> his, his beautiful horse. Um, Josie Wales' shiny pink Lincoln. <laughs> yes. And he has this uh, talk with the chief. Um because the chief's kind of like, oh yeah, you were uh, you were fighting all those blue coats. Like, you're all right. I guess you can go. And then he's like, no. But the other ones will die. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, and he has this great kind of monologue about, you know, people live with each other. Governments don't live with each other. And then, like you and me, it's living. It's hard. And all you've ever cared about has been butchered or raped. Governments don't live together. People live together. Governments, you don't always get a fair word or a fair fight. Well, I've come here to give you either one or get either one from you. Or I can fight you right now and I'll probably take a bunch of you with me. But, you know, like, <laughs> this is this is my word and my oath. And, and I just thought that was great that he went up there with like, hey, we can, we can mm-hmm. live together, which is something I don't think he had considered doing before then. Like... No, I think seeing all those people and and being like, "Wow, I want to live quiet again." It's all I've ever wanted. We can do this mm-hmm. as people. Like, obviously, governments can't, 
but us as neighbors, as people, we can do that, which I thought was mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah. It was, it, it was touching. Yes. Uh, and e- even the light really did that. There's almost like this, this golden light that they used in those scenes, uh, especially around the farm and around with this meeting with them. Uh, the Comanche leader is 10 bears. And boy, how did he look at? He was a big man. I was like, that's not 10 bears. That's one dude. <laughs> it's one big dude, that's for sure. He was a big dude. Um, and he was also the same um, guy from White Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. But he was under much better handling this time in terms of probably direction and script. Yeah, I thought he did great. Um, I I don't know if I mentioned it on White Buffalo, but that's also the same actor from, uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest who played the the Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool guy. Uh, I, I, I guess it's now time to transition into some of our segments here. Let's go for it. Unless you had any other notes here. Let me check here. Uh, things I want, anything I want to talk about? No, because I cover the historical shit yeah Whoa, uh, let's wait. do let's do this um i got one other thing oh yeah go ahead i saw a restaurant and it said lunch day and night and i was like my kind of restaurant lunch all the time yep i mean breakfast all day is pretty good but i do love lunch yeah lunch is great everyone should eat lunch right like because it's mostly sandwiches and i do love sandwiches so just be like what can you put between two slices of, of bread or in a burrito anything like, lay it on me Anything you want. Mm-hmm. My God. The, the combinations are, are literally limitless. I also liked, we saw the snake oil salesman a few times, and um, mm-hmm. at one point he's in front of a crowd, <laughs> and uh, a couple things with him I oh, want to point out. He's in front of a crowd, and uh, um, Lone Weight comes up and is like, what's in that? And he's like, I don't know, I just sell it. And then he's like, you drink it. <laughs> He's kind of yeah. like, and he just kind of like looks down at it like, uh, oh boy. Yeah, like, well, I don't want to drink it. I don't know Which, what's in it. And, er, and what was great is earlier in the movie, you know, like this guy is trying to sell Josie Wales a bottle of it while they're on the ferry, and Wales just spits on his bright white coat. Yep. And he he mutters something like, like I hope it's also like how's it at stain removal. And you literally see him taking the stuff and removing the stain with it. Yes, and I love it because his suit was always beautifully white. I was like, I guess it really does work on stains. Thumbs hooked in his la- in his lapels. He is he is ready to sell. <laughs> he was great. Uh, but yep, that's uh wanted to bring that up before we get into. <laughs> Uh, well, since we already mentioned uh, the coots, let's start with the coot watch. Yeah. The big males battle for the best fishing spots. Uh, I know who my coot was. Who was your coot? Well, let's see. I had three call-outs for coots. So we already talked uh, do, a little bit about yeah. Fairy Coot, who I thought looked mm-hmm. a lot like Smeagol from Lord of the Rings before he turned yes. into Gollum. Yes. Um, the uh, lone weight who you know was just a great coot, mm-hmm. and then old lady, the granny. Yes, the the Kansas lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was uh, the the lady. I think fairy coot's mom. Uh yes, the old healer woman. Yes, yeah. uh, old lady granny coot. She has all the poultices. She does not give <laughs> a fuck, and she's got a corn cob pipe. I liked her a lot. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> she she probably has colorful opinions and stories for every occasion. Yes. And then, like, um, kind of the flip side of her coin was the granny that we ended up traveling with. Which I was mm-hmm. like, I like these old sassy old broads. Exactly. Uh, I like the ferry operator mostly because of his hat alone. Oh, it was I don't great. know what was holding that hat together. Hope. <laughs> the collected filth of the entire Civil War. Yes. Yes. All the dust kicked up by by, the, by each opposing army coalesced on his head in the shape of that hat. Yes. That's all that's left there is just dirt and sweat and holes. And he wears it with pride. He does. <laughs> So this was, was mo- mm-hmm. this was a mm-hmm. great movie for coots. So all you coot yes. watchers out there, get your coot journal out. You're gonna you're gonna get some good good entries from this movie. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, you know, mark your coot watch passport yeah. passbook. Yeah. And mark those down. Yes. Uh, let's move on to the saloon search. We really only had one and it was kinda lousy. <laughs> <laughs> What was it? The Lost Lady? <laughs> it was the Lost Lady. And uh, it's just, it's it's a sad saloon. It's an abandoned saloon. Like, remember the abandoned saloon from um, Haunted Gold? It's like that, but in color. Yeah. With less stuff. Yeah. It's like, you can tell, like, I think those people are getting ready to pack up and leave. Yeah. I think they just finished off the last of the liquor, and they're just like, well, we're just going to spend the night here play with the piano and then we're pack up in the morning and uh, because there was nothing in that saloon you had the piano some tables and that was it it was sad like i don't know how you could tell it was in color other than the uh the singer (laughs) was wearing red (laughs) yes she was she looked like um i believe the proper term for that kind of woman is a bod (laughs) you know just a body yep uh you know just big lady colorful she's gonna sing us she's gonna belt out a song and it's gonna be hysterical yeah. we're gonna have a great time not great singing but i don't think her heart was <laughs> in it in the beginning no i don't think it, it was. got better later but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah she looks like she knows how to party she knows how to hang yeah oh i also and... liked with that lady um when granny comes in that lady's like oh yeah i knew your son like he said a lot like <laughs> and then granny's kind of like my son I have no idea. wouldn't know I have... a lady like you. I'd be like, mm, Granny, I think, uh, oh boy, I got bad news. Yeah, because the lady's <laughs> kind of like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, your son has needs, and I, you know, <laughs> we had a we had a lot of good times. Yeah. while the silver mine was open, right? Like you know, <laughs> we're 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 two adults. Exactly. And have you seen me? Right. <laughs> I'm clearly a great time. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. And, but, yeah, it's it's like there is nothing. I, th- I don't even think there was a mirror behind the bar. It was just sad. It was worn down. It looked like it would bl- blow over in a, in, a, in a wind, in a light breeze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, like, you know. Somehow people still hung out there. I'm I'm assuming that it was probably also a post office because that's the only reason to go keep going back. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, they uh, there's a lot of questions it, as to why anyone was there at all. 
Yeah, because in Santo Rio, there's literally no other reason to be there. There's nobody else there. There's just the saloon and, I don't know, disappointment, I guess. Yeah, unless they were waiting for Granny to come. Like, they were like, oh, you know, that guy's family is going to come here. Maybe we can, you know, travel back with them or something. I don't know. No or idea. Or it's, you know, like a, you know, it's a, or, or like, you know, Cl- Josie Wales wrote into a different movie. It's like a, like, like a existential western like play on like waiting for godot like like well he's gonna show up sooner or later yeah Ah. (laughs) Yeah. um so yeah not not we were flush with coots but not so flush with nice saloons yeah i mean i will say though that the, the town and the saloon was situated in a pleasant valley so if you know i we were on a hike in texas we came across that old saloon i'd, I'd sit there and drink uh from my water bottle (laughs) (laughs) seared landscape (laughs) yeah yeah not bad uh and uh let's see postcard moment okay here's mine okay i liked when they were traveling across that very sandy desert with the dunes yes yes you could see the sandy desert against these forested mountains and then they're like hoof prints kind of trailing behind them uh, I thought that was a very unique landscape that we haven't seen yet to have a, a, such a sandy desert like that right up mm-hmm. next to some forested mountains. It, you know, just helped show how far they had traveled and how vast the West can be. Mm-hmm. I am so glad you brought that up because that too is my postcard i just thought that was the coolest goddamn thing especially with the two riders yeah. cresting the sand dune and you see the tr- the tracks behind them that was just it was so, oh that was so cool spot on spot on and i f- and, and i feel like this movie also had a lot of you could really sense get a sense of temperature and a lot of the scenes here um like when it was raining, it looked it looked cold. It looked miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like it was raining hard. Yeah. And uh, like like oh, I, I know exactly what kind of rain that is. Like it's like it's a March rain. It's it's cold it's terrible. And soaking cold. I just want to go inside and get some soup. Right, but I mean, he can't. He's stuck outside. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then when they get to the farm, it's re- it's so radically different because it's warm. Mm-hmm. A lot of warm colors, yellows, uh, burnt oranges and rusty reds and, and, you know, like a inviting browns. And like, okay, we can we can settle down here. Like, like if we were going on a hike and like, you know, some, a friend of ours would be like, hey, we're going to go on a hike. There's a cabin up, up, up in the woods. We're going to stay there for the weekend. You want to come? They'll be like, we've came upon that, that pleasant stream. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Like looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me let me kick off my boots. I hope so. did somebody bring some beers? Let's settle it. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Stu. Who brought the face? He happens to be a sweet looking dude. There can only be one answer. I hope we answered the same. We'll say all on three. One, two, three. The dog. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> the dog. <laughs> I was gonna say Clint Eastwood had the face, all the face at all times. He's got excellent yeah. face. <laughs> I, let me let me let me give you my rationale here. 
for for the dog. Yes, I think I know. I think I know what you're gonna say. But go on. Let me hear. Because here's the thing: this is our first Clint Eastwood movie, and Clint Eastwood has got strong face. He's gonna get the face from me eventually. But that dog. <laughs> there was one scene in particular where he was growling at uh, some of those union men trying to track Josie Wales down. And he had his little lips curled up. You could see all his teeth. But the rest of the dog body language was like, where's them biscuits at? Exactly. Fully relaxed. Yeah. Just kind of looking around for a, for, for a cue. Yeah. And you could kind of see at the end of that scene, he like stopped growling and was like, so I guess the trainer had just said like, oh, you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, but like for a good two seconds, we had this amazing dog face on screen and I loved it. Yeah, I, I did stop it because I thought it was so ridiculous. I was like, I put every all of that out. I was like, this dog is not mad at all. Yeah, no. That dog is, is looking at a piece of American cheese. <laughs> out of camera. With bated sight. breath. Right. Like, I gotta get the cheese. Yeah, there's a hand with a milk bone in it, and that dog is just expecting. Yeah, he's like, I want to get that milk bone and some belly rubs. Here's, yeah, gotta get them belly rubs. Here's my mean face. <laughs> Are we done? Okay. All right. But Clint Eastwood did have some mean face, especially when the sun was in his face. Oh, just great. like he just, he's just a craggy man. He's always looked like a craggy old man. Yeah, I was like, wow. I don't know whether he's aged well or poorly or just evenly. I think it's evenly because he's he looks real old just now, gray. but yeah. yeah. I think he's got more wrinkles on his forehead than he did back in 1976, but yeah. I think it's because every director, including, I guess, himself, was just, like, told him to stare into the sun. Yeah, I'm like, that's how you damage your eyes, Clint. Mm -hmm. Come on, dude. Protect the eyes. So, uh, yeah, uh, Clint Eastwood and (laughs) A-Dog. Those are our faces. Nice. Yes. Yes, they are. Uh... Um, how how do you rate something like this? Because this is, this is heavy. Um, yeah, I mean, usually, yeah. not every western is going to be perfect for every watching situation. But I True. think that's that's the wonderful thing about the genre, though, is that it's got comedy, it's got drama, it's got action adventure. It's you can have any of those other. True. In in a western, and this one was just your gritty realism of a western it's really a case study of the time of the time period too like you know we, we idolize the old west as like this brilliant time of you know just uh you know like going out and like exploring the wild right. frontier but it's a lot about exploitation it's a lot about um just people just want to be left alone and not being able to yeah uh, to me it was yeah. um i mean yeah, when we watch spaghettis or other more kind of fun westerns, it's all yeah, it's all about mm-hmm. you can go out and be anything you want in the West. You can do anything you want to do, and this is showing mm-hmm. the consequences of that because it's like, well, you know, good-hearted, strong, moraled people can go out west and you know build mm-hmm. something from nothing, uh, but also bad folks can get together and and harass all the good folks who are just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, it's lawless, which is exciting, but also terrible. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. Like, no one, you have to protect yourself or rely on others to protect you. Uh, and, you know, 
depending on the situation. There's no guarantees the that you can get anywhere safely. The frontier, by definition, it often has tenuous grasp from, you know, a centralized or regional government. Now, combine that with a civil war and you just have a chef's kiss cauldron of hogwash yeah. and bullshit yeah. and just terribleness. It's not good. It wasn't good. Uh, which I think is, is uh, you know, it's nice to have that represented because that's it's not this, mm-hmm. um, you know, glorious past of ours like it's not this age of heroes it's like it was a shitty time (laughs) right you know like i i read something online recently like if you hear somebody like waxing romantic about the past and then not bring up like the underlying shit that supported it they're not a real historian yeah because i think you know obviously what's in the past is in the past and it's Mm -hmm. fun to to put stories or or to put stories in those time periods or pull stories out of those time periods. But people across history have always been the same. Mm-hmm. There's you will, yeah. you will find some terrible people. Yeah. There's always going to be terrible people. There's always going to be people who, you know, are taking advantage of others, like strong, the strong taking advantage of the weak. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there is no past time period of mankind that was perfect. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was always tough for somebody, uh, usually yeah, lots I, of somebody's, but you know, I love, I love history, you know, like I, I love, you know, like putting on like historical costume, like for the Ren fair, that sort of thing. Nerd. Um, I'd like, I'd like to get into it more. However, I would not want to live in any of those periods. I mean, one for the obvious thing that, you know, I like things like penicillin and modern medicine, but... Flushing toilets are nice. Yeah, yeah, indoor plumbing. Two thumbs up here. Yeah. It's hard to go back. But, uh, yeah. But then for all the other things that you said, is this that there's just some, like, terrible things that uh, that have happened, so... Yeah. Which is why we should tear down Confederate monuments. Well, especially since most of them were put up in the 30s. like what yeah the 1890s up until like like the 40s and 50s yeah Yeah, like yeah no who you kidding this is probably as close as you'll get to a as i said at the start a sympathetic view of a member of the confederate armed forces yeah and i mean and strictly because of the nature of the war in that part of the country well and i think it's also um i mean in any war you're gonna have folks who are fighting not necessarily for the the political reason that the, right. that it was some started. Some people are just like, I live here, so I'm going to defend my land. Um, and some people fight for money. Some people fight for money. Yeah, it's like people fight wars for many reasons. And not all of them, you know, I think it's shitty. Anytime a war's got to get fought, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like usually the people who are deciding to go to war typically have the least to lose. <laughs> From uh, doing far, so, far away, f- far away from the consequences, right? And you know, it's always the 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 uh, innocent people who got to bear the brunt of it. So, I mm. I, I think you know, it should never be a case. Like, nothing's ever black and white. Um, and this shows one of those shades of gray of the Civil War of like you know, just because the Union was fighting for a great cause, doesn't mean that all of them fought honorably. 
And just because yep. the South fought for not so great a cause doesn't mean that they're all a bunch of monsters. Arguably, Amy, arguably bad. <laughs> arguably bad. No, no. For a <laughs> terrible reason to, to fight a war, but, you know... Uh, but yeah, not, yeah. not, you know, not, not every soldier, every soldier is a person. Every person is, you know, going to have their own shit going on. Oh yeah. So I don't know. You might want to, I don't know if you want to cut all that shit out. I'm rambling on about the morality oh, no, of war. I, I think that was, I think that was very succinct. I think it was very good. Thank um, you. I think I don't even know if succinct is the right word. I don't know. I can't word today. Ah. Uh, Josie but, Wales got us all waxing philosophical. It's and and you know what for that reason I think I'm gonna give it the solid six stars, just because uh, I think it says a lot about conflict, and um, and about revenge and about what it will cause a person to do. Yeah. And um. Yeah. What do you think? I'm gonna give it a five. Um, cause I liked it. I thought it was really good. I I I don't know. Um. It wasn't perfect for me, and I can't really put my finger on why. Um, mm. But I did think it was very good. Yeah, it was. It's heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I usually re- reserve like the six stars for something I want to watch again, like right now, mm-hmm. which this certainly isn't. I don't. I don't even know if I'll return to this and watch it again. But I just know that it, it's it's good cinema. Yeah, and I and I think you're right. It it is a great picture of a certain point in American history. Which mm-hmm. sometimes we've like in uh, was it the duel tried to put some American history in there and it was just poorly done. Jesus. I... And then they lost the thread and then then Woody Harrelson's like drawing shit on his face. Right, and we're like, what is happening? Yeah, so it's like I I like I like a good historical drama, uh, you know, any kind mm-hmm. of his- history in a movie. Um, just oh yeah, because it's more exciting than reading your history textbooks, but. Uh, you know, falsehoods, Amy. <laughs> Those textbooks are great. <laughs> what are you working for? Big textbook? No, uh, <laughs> I'm working for big, history. <laughs> big history. Um, but this, I, I thought, had a very human perspective of of uh, yeah. of the conflict, which I thought was was pretty pretty neat. Yeah, this isn't something I would necessarily want to watch again, but I think it's a, a, a good, dare I say, important film. Thanks for listening to Cow Punchers. I am, as always, the deputy, Stu Kaufman. And I am your snake oil saleswoman, Amy McLeod. Y'all watch yourselves out there on the trail. <laughs> yeah! <laughs>